I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Dr. Ezralita Bruce, Dr. E. She's a mother, wife, licensed professional counselor associate, Christian life coach, author, TEDx speaker, who is passionate about helping others transform traumas and losses into opportunities for personal growth, healing, and purpose. Dr. E is the founder and CEO of A New Me, helping individuals experience and maintain mental, emotional, and spiritual transformation and success. So please welcome to the show, Dr. E. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and agreeing to on and share your story and your wisdom with us. Absolutely. It is it's, it's truly an honor to be here. I, I want to thank you for inviting me. I, I love this podcast and what it stands for. Just grateful to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, sometimes I give a little bit of backstory of, you know, how I connected with some of the guests. And um, Mm -hmm. so I don't even know how many years ago it's been now, but years ago, you came to Toronto for an event and it was such an impactful event. I was a speaker on the panel, but I felt like one of the guests that that came for (laughs) the spiritual experience. (laughs) And I've just been Mm -hmm. so grateful (laughs) to stay connected to all of you women and watch you all evolve. And I'm just excited for the listeners to have an opportunity to hear your story um, and to learn from your journey. So thank you once again. Absolutely. So I like to start the show with an icebreaker question. And, you know, as kids, we have these vivid imaginations and we fantasize about what we want to be or who we want to be when we grow up. And you know, before life starts to box us in and tell us to be realistic or, you know, to do what is normal, uh, I would love to know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Oh, wow. That's a really great question. As soon as you said that, I went back to the first first kind of desire that I had as a little girl was to be a choreographer. I really love to dance. I love to watch people dance even present day. And I was a cheerleader growing up, you know, started out in junior high, all through high school. So I just, I love, I love to dance, but to be honest with you, I'm not that 
great of an answer, <laughs> but, you know, watching in living color and watching the fly girls, <laughs> you know, do their thing. It was just, uh, it just looked so much fun. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a choreographer when I grew up. So that's what I want to be. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what, what I love about that is hearing how someone went from wanting to be you know, something in the creative field to now, you know, having certifications and doctorates and all of these degrees, like how did you get to where you are presently? Share your story of how you got to where you are today. Oh gosh. Okay. So let's see where to start. Well, let me just say that I'm in the area of counseling, mental health and wellness, which is completely opposite of a choreographer. But Mm -hmm. when you talk about the creative juices, so to speak, um, I still am am able to create in that space, whether that's programs, whether that's workshops. So the creative part of me didn't go anywhere. But my love for mental health and psychology came. I I went to a junior college. I played played basketball in college, started off at a junior college and then went to university. But my first encounter with psychology and mental health came when I had my first psychology course. And I remember the teacher or the professor, she just had a very mild voice. It was very calming. And she was just talking about how personalities work and, and how impactful a play is, you know, for children and how that helps them to develop their brains and, I was just so intrigued by that. And mm-hmm. that just really and truly captured my heart. And I was like, wow, I'm really into science and how the mind works and and people. I've always just had this thing. I'm pretty sure you've heard it a thousand times where people will just feel comfortable sharing their stories with you. You don't ask for it. There's just mm-hmm. kind of unload on you, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it started there. It started there. My love for science and psychology started there. So I, I continued to pursue my, my bachelor's and then master's after that. But I would say purpose, what, what actually led me to not just in the career of psychology, but it truly became my purpose in discovering it as my purpose when I experienced tragedy, quite honestly. Mm. I, I, was in my, mm-hmm, I was in my early 20s, met an, an awesome you know, man of God at that time. And, and we, we married around 20, I was around 21 years old. And, um, you know, he really introduced me to, to God and worship, even though I had my own relationship with God, it just really intensified in that moment. Well, long story short, we got married and we were only married about a year and a half. And unfortunately he had a motorcycle accident and um, he didn't survive the complications of that. So I was, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was, um, I was in school at the time. I had finished my bachelor's. I was actually pursuing my master's and then I experienced this major tragedy. So my career at the time, it, it, it was just reshaped. It wasn't just about what I learned in school. It wasn't just textbook. It was about what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so That's where God really stepped in and he not only showed me himself, you know, I had to go through that process of healing, but he showed me how to heal. 
And through that experience, it just helped me to develop a love and passion for helping people mentally and emotionally work through tragedy and trauma because it was a combination of textbook and professionalism combined with faith and experience. So that is what Mm -hmm. led me to the career and I should say purpose uh, and my love and heart for mental health. Wow. I have goosebumps right now. Like the listeners know every time I say I have goosebumps, it's like my spirit's feeling it. Like, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like I, to be at such a young age and have such a tragic Mm -hmm. loss happen to you. I'm sure there's a lot that you, you know, had to process and that you can share, but like, Mm-hmm. I always say on the show and to the listeners that are listening, like they hear this common theme with every woman that comes on the show, your pain birthed your purpose. You know, mm-hmm. there are so many people that feel like they don't know what their purpose is. And then listening to all your stories, hearing how you, you know, tapped into your authentic purpose through your journey, like your mm-hmm. love for mental health, like, I I completely get it. And and I feel like your passion to help others heal through the process comes from because of what you've experienced. You know, you can empathize and be Mm -hmm. more compassionate to the people that you work with. Like, Mm -hmm. how did you process your trauma in your early 20s? Like, I'm sure it probably may have been different if it happened 20 years later. But how did you, in that Mm -hmm. time, process your trauma? Well, it it was... It was certainly difficult because, you know, in your early 20s, you're you're not expecting to be, in my case, a young widow. And I mean, how do you process losing a husband? Like, what does that look like, you know, for Mm -hmm. your future? But for for me in that moment, uh, because of my relationship with God, I mean, I just really thrusted myself in his presence and in his word and and not only that, I did I did go to counseling. That was very, very helpful. I always say as as strong of a Christian as you as you are and you may be your faith it it does not take away from your humanity yes and because we are spirit soul and body connection the spiritual aspects help us to connect with God there's this soul aspect that's where our mind will and emotions are and so I knew that I had to I didn't know then but just sharing um understanding that my humanity, my soul was bruised and it was broken. My heart was broken. And I had to find ways and strategies to help me to process that. And that was really through therapy that I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of praying. Um, I also gave myself permission to feel what I felt. Um, I I had a lot of anger as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you, you hurt me, this was a man that introduced me to God and helped me to find God in, in such a different and very profound and, 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 and impactful way. So why would God allow this man to come into my life and to be taken away? Mm-hmm. Right. So that anger was, it was elevated at one point and, you know, out of anger, you know, as the scriptures say, be angry, but don't sin. And let me tell you, right, right after, um, I experienced that tragedy, and I and I shared in my book. I shared the details of this in my book. Is God actually dropped in my spirit that I would remarry again, 
And mm-hmm. it was just so strange. I'm like, oh, I, I mean, how, you know, but <laughs> I was so mad at him. I just went on ahead and tried to beat him to the punch. And I remarried again two years later, only to only to be divorced eight months later. And that wow. was really out of anger. Yeah, it was like my rebellious period of, well, since you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. Like, it was mm-hmm. my way of disobeying. But, you know, no matter how much you try to fight God or be God, you never, you'll never win. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know, you never win. You know, that's, that's the thing. And that was my way of processing. That was my way of rebellion. But in that moment, I realized that God, he didn't stop loving me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, it wow. brings me to tears. He didn't, he didn't stop loving me. And he was just like, I understand, but mm-hmm. your promise is still intact. Repent, come back to me. And in that moment, that's when I really and truly allow myself to heal. And, um, you know, I, I did have an, another relationship after that, but it didn't work out. And then finally, I was just like, okay, I'm done with these relationships. I'm going to wait on you. And God was like, good. <laughs> finally, you know, you're, yay, you know, you're mm-hmm. listening to me. And then a, a year later, that's when I, I met my husband, my promise, who I've been married to now, um, going on nine years, been together almost 12 years next year. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. I hope that answered your question. I mean, I, I process, but yes. he did restore. <laughs> wow. Like, okay. So first of all, congrats on celebrating that milestone with your, your present husband. Yeah. And thank you for bringing up the combination or the importance of a combination of therapy and prayer. I'm someone who truly believes in that. And I feel as someone who spent so many years in the church environment where you're told most times to just pray and then you've got a whole body of hurt people because they're not processing their feelings and their emotions. And yes, we are spiritual beings, Mm -hmm. but the combination of the two is so important. So thank you for, for speaking to that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I watched your Ted talk and I got emotional because Mm -hmm. it's one thing for you to lose a husband at such a young age, And it's another thing in how you lost your husband. And it's a beautiful thing on how you've transformed that to be able to serve and inspire others. So I just want to just thank you for being courageous Mm -hmm. enough and vulnerable enough to share your journey. You know, sometimes people go through trauma and they sit in it by themselves Mm -hmm. or they hold it to themselves. And I truly believe that our stories may be about us, but they're not only for us. So thank you for just... Mm -hmm. Being who you are, and you know, like you said, you you can't fight God. <laughs> so, no. so listening and, and using, using your story for that. Just thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm I'm always so grateful, so very grateful to share, because, like you said, it is is not it's not just for us. It, it's definitely to prepare us for those that we haven't met yet. And my favorite, my favorite character in the Bible is David, because when I was going through tragedy, I went to the book of Psalms and him, he didn't write all of them. But when you read a lot of the Psalms, he is expressing his emotion and distress, but he's combining that with his faith in God, knowing Mm -hmm. that God will rescue him. 
Mm-hmm. And when I was reading about Psalms, I just had to read his life in First and Second Samuel, and I did. I, I studied his life, and in one of those Psalms, in one of my Bibles, um, one of my Bibles, the, the commentary said that David is was helpless and in distress, but it prepared him for the days ahead. And I mm-hmm. thought that was so very profound because in what you're sharing with me is that. I had no idea that God was preparing me for the days ahead. Mm-hmm. When you're in trauma and tragedy and darkness and pain, you, you don't feel like you can be helped. You, you feel hopeless. You feel like you're in despair. You don't feel that there's a way out of that darkness. But if as you continue on and you couple your tragedy with your acknowledgement for help, then you begin to see that there is purpose in the pain. So mm-hmm. I just really want to share that tidbit because like yourself, um, you know, you sharing that, it, 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 it helps you to move out of the darkness into the light. Mm-hmm. And the trauma is no longer a secret. It's, um, I read this book called The Secret Trauma, and it's because we keep the trauma within and we keep it hidden and mm-hmm. if no light can get to it, then that's where the enemy works. He works in darkness right. and he uses our pain to keep us in that place of despair. But once that light is shot, uh, is, is casted on that darkness, it changes everything. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just, I really just wanted to share that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, I got goosebumps yeah. again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I lost my sister and in losing her mm. is where my life transformed. And that's where I found wow. my purpose. That was my pain that brought me to my purpose because when my sister passed away and, mm. you know, this is why I said I got emotional when I watched your Ted talk because she also went into cardiac arrest and the swelling happened and she was on mm. life support until she passed. So, you know, the, the, the wow. similarity, you know, gave me goosebumps, mm-hmm. but when she passed, it made me, look at life differently when I went through the first six months of of grieving and when I worked on coming out of that but during that phase I had so many people that reached out to let me know the difference she made in their life and that's when I realized she wasn't just important to me and I asked myself Mm -hmm. like what is what is the difference that that I want I want to be able to leave a legacy I want to be able to make a difference in people's lives how can I serve on a, a greater scale outside of my household I just, mm. I, I can totally relate to your, your story. So, wow. you know, the fact that we've been able to take that pain and turn that into helping other people to process what they are going through or what they're, they're dealing with. Like, I feel like that speaks mm. to your strength as well, right? Because it, it takes strength to be vulnerable. It takes strength yeah. to transparently share your story. It takes strength to, you know, sometimes relive those experiences. And, you know, we talk about it so often, you know, we get less emotional as we have the conversation, but at the same time, you know, the way that our brains are programmed, like, you know, you feel those mm-hmm. emotions. Wow. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Um, this is my first time really, you know, of course, knowing about that. And, and it just, it, it speaks volumes to, to your purpose as well and, and your power and how God is really strengthening you and to be able to have this platform to 
share with other women and bring other women on. So I, I appreciate you for sharing that because Thank you're you. absolutely right. It, I think a song, was it Whitney Houston that says, I didn't, I didn't know my own strength mm. or this, I don't know if it's meme. And sometimes I call it, I call it meme <laughs> ministry because a lot of these memes really do speak to me. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, you don't realize how strong you are until strength is all you have. Mm-hmm. You know, until you're like kind of pushed up, up against the wall and you're like, okay, well, what do I do? And in those moments, just hearing the inspiration, like you mentioned, you know, with your, your sister and seeing the impact that she's made, I, I can't help but to see that inspiring you to say, you know what, I could, I could do something mm-hmm. even with this pain. So that's, that's so, that's so beautiful to me. I, I just, I love that. Um, and thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that we had that commonality mm-hmm. there. Thank you. Um, I want you mm-hmm. to explain to the listeners what trauma-informed care is. Absolutely. So trauma-informed care is being able to help the individual and uh, not just a victim, but the person survive from trauma to triumph. And there's a process and, and the informed part is more so understanding how trauma has impacted them. Because the thing about trauma is that it's unexpected. The definition is it's it's outside of our normal range and usual ability to cope with stress. And so it creates these kind of negative psychological responses. And we don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And we haven't been taught in the early age. And, you know, this is how you process trauma. This is how you process you know, life when it happens, yes, pray, but there's so many other parts to, to trauma because it's not just the, the impact on us emotionally, but it impacts the way that, as you mentioned, view life, it changes the way that we think. Mm-hmm. It changes the way our brain functions. It changes the way our bodies are now um, having to manage or cope with this major distress. So the trauma-informed care is really about education. It's about creating a safe space where the individual can share because trauma is overstepping our boundaries, right? We didn't ask for it. It just kind of comes and knocks down the door and disrupts life. And so Mm -hmm. boundaries are now, they're violated. And we have to find a way to reestablish boundaries and, and really seeing what that looks like. And so... It's it's a what I created is uh, the, the trauma informed uh, a new me life transformation program, and I haven't I haven't offered it in a couple of years just you know just due to COVID, mm-hmm. but in teaching you know it's a workshop where I have like a small group of women and and I teach them uh, we help them to identify what traumas have impacted them and helping them to see like we all deal with things differently. So from their own unique perspectives and personality, understanding how it has impacted them, but also how you can move through it Mm -hmm. and move past it so that you can experience healing in a healthy way and finding new ways of coping uh, versus kind of self-medicating um, and and just just really helping them to to, to navigate that and, and understanding what that means to them. So that's what trauma informed care is is 
And then really the last part, the care part, is to extend that level of care to let them know that what they went through, it matters. It, their feelings and thoughts need to be validated. It's releasing the shame and the guilt that comes from that, thinking that it was their fault, mm-hmm. but it's not, right? It's helping them to see that though this happened to you, it does not have to define your life and that you can receive uh, support for that and, and that it's readily available. So mm-hmm. in a nutshell, that's what, you know, the trauma-informed, that's what it is, the trauma-informed care is. Thank you for breaking that down. You know, there's mm-hmm. been many conversations that I've had with people and because I've been studying so much about trauma and working through my own stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to help uh, my clients, there's a lot of things that I've learned, but there are people who are, I'm going to say, they're unaware that they've mm-hmm. experienced trauma. They assume that trauma is like trauma with a capital T. You know, they had to have been sexually mm-hmm. abused as a child or physically beaten by a partner, but there are so many different levels, um, so many different types mm-hmm. of trauma. And especially I feel um, culturally, there's a lot of things in the black community that are normalized that are actually traumatic. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. So, oh, you said a yeah. mouthful. <laughs> there's a lot of trauma that becomes normalized and people are out here walking around and interacting with other individuals through trauma responses and just saying well that's just how i am (laughs) no sis right you you need to heal (laughs) no breath no (laughs) wow okay so can, can you speak to like the effects of unresolved childhood trauma oh yeah absolutely Oh, it, and I, I sigh because, you know, this is something that I do on a daily basis. As I said, it's something I'm very passionate about. But as you mentioned, the awareness part, right? Mm-hmm. What is the childhood trauma first and foremost, right? If, if people are not really understanding, if they didn't in, in, uh, necessarily experience, as you mentioned, the death of a loved one unexpectedly or um, sex abuse, which those are very, very traumatic experiences. What about abandonment? And I mean, mm-hmm. like, parents are in the home, but you're not getting what you need, mm-hmm. right? Emotionally, as a child, feeling like you're not being heard or always being silenced. Because in the Black community, don't talk back, right? Mm-hmm. True, that that's true. It's a form of disrespect. But what, as children, you're naturally curious. What if you're really trying to understand why the parent is giving you such instructions? Mm-hmm. And so if a child is constantly being silenced and hushed, they're going to believe, well, okay, well, I can't speak up. Mm-hmm. So you, you take that experience and you apply it and it kind of translates into school and interactions and it really chips away at assertiveness, Right. So you you don't really see that kind of abandonment or rejection or silence, so to speak. You know, when I say abandonment, as in you're not getting what you need, maybe emotionally or mentally. And that that could be very traumatic. Even Mm -hmm. school, like uh, children at school bullying um, major, that's a huge one, right? And so as you go through life, And now as an adult, um, the childhood trauma is unresolved. And and what can result from that is a a distortion in how you really view yourself, you know, 
how you view yourself, how you interact, what you think of yourself and how you interact with the world. Mm-hmm. And so the impacts of that is, is really, really major. And, and people with unresolved trauma, it comes in the form of, you know, you talk about irritability. Why is this person always mad? You know, depressed. Depression can be defined in a lot of ways. Anger turned inward. They're mm-hmm. not given the opportunity to really express how they feel, how this situation impacted them, so they're mad all the time. So it can show mm-hmm. up in those ways. Those are the symptoms of it, right? It's the anxiety, you know, always the hypervigilance, so to speak. I'm always preparing for impending doom because mm-hmm. I've experienced this, child, this childhood trauma in my life, so now I have to be on guard and alert, kind of fight or flight, and it hasn't even happened yet, but that's how you're presently living all the time, like living on the edge. And so this is how, it, I mean, these are just a few examples of how unresolved childhood trauma can show up in our adult life. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're saying that, like, so I'll, I'll be completely transparent. I experienced a lot of sure. trauma. <laughs> and mm-hmm. in the last, mm-hmm. I'm going to say the last two years, I have been heavily active on healing childhood wounds and breaking mm-hmm. a lot of the paradigms and the beliefs that I had growing up. Yeah. So going through my 20s and 30s, heavily as someone with severe abandonment issues and rejection issues and trust yeah. issues and not being able to, or feeling that I'm able to speak up for myself. And I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with a um, autoimmune disorder. And I used to be ashamed of the disorder because it was really associated with a lot of people um, who are like hypochondriacs. So because they can, they can't like, you know, test would show that you're perfectly healthy, but they can't explain the pain. They can't explain those things. Uh-huh. And what right. I started to do in my healing process is connecting how the mind, the body and the trauma, once you study how all of those things intertwine and the fibromyalgia was really because I hadn't processed or dealt with the childhood wounds, I was constantly in fight or flight mode. Um, so uh-huh. what was once my protection mechanism was now harming me. And since mm-hmm. I have actively learned to prioritize self-care and protection and boundaries and honoring who I am, mm-hmm. I have not had a fibromyalgia flare up in like three years. So Wow. Learning to heal those childhood wounds and even setting boundaries with the family members that I grew up with that inflicted those, you know, beliefs and dysfunctional cycles within me has allowed me to have the space to honor my feelings and reprogram Mm -hmm. (laughs) my mind. So, you know, childhood traumas affect us as adults in how we think, how we behave, how we feel physically. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you for really, this is, this is so good because um, I, I love the transparency, obviously. And this is what helps people to understand that, you know, when you talk about the platforms and, you know, your success, it just does, doesn't come like falling out of the sky, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's things that you have experienced and, and again, just turning that, that, pain into purpose, but sharing the process of even still today and, and how 
you were able to find, like, again, the trauma-informed care, you were in, you were, you came to that knowledge, you became informed of how that trauma impacted you, and you were able to experience healing from that mm-hmm. because you understood how it impacted you, right? Mm-hmm. In my TED Talk, I, I can't remember for the life of me her name that I, I mentioned in my TED Talk, but she's actually the Surgeon General, African-American um, doctor in California. She's actually the, the Surgeon General of, of California, but she talked about the impacts and the connection between trauma and health issues, mm-hmm. right, and how experiencing childhood traumas can later impact us as adults, you know, even if we're perfectly healthy, something could, you know, just flare up and happen and it can show up in our skin. I mean, that's how it happened for me when I went through my loss uh, as well. I started to have scalp issues, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's because of the irritation, you know, the the stress and, and our levels are are imbalanced and so our mm-hmm. bodies respond and they react to that so that is such a huge part and in trauma care is not just you know me being trained as a, as a therapist but because we are created as all of these different parts spirit soul and body it's okay to go get checked out you know medically mm-hmm. you know they rule things out you know I always say when I see when I see clients and they're having like mood, you know, issues or problems, and especially for women, I'm like, go, go see your doctor. Could it be hormones, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of that too just could be related to unresolved traumas. But the point is there's a connection be- between the spirit, soul, and body and between, and between childhood traumas and, and adult responses. So it is important to acknowledge that and it's, it's important to get help for it. Absolutely. My mentor taught me to break down the word disease into a body that is in dis-ease. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. are sick and have all these ailments, it's like trapped emotions. I'm actually reading a book right now called The Body Keeps yes. a Score. Um, you know, so the, mm-hmm. the emotions that we haven't processed are trapped within our bodies, causing these pains and causing the, the chemical imbalances and causing the, the minerals that are supposed to be doing what they're doing to, to misfire mm-hmm. and do other things. So when right. we are feeling unwell, you know, to dig deeper than just the, the symptoms, the superficial symptoms and dig deeper and do yes. some real holistic healing um, so that you can, can heal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I would love to know, like, you know, you spoke about not doing um, some of your um, sessions uh, due to the pandemic. So I would love to know how the pandemic has affected how you serve. Well, I've always done teletherapy, even before the pandemic. I've always offered that. So it wasn't a huge switch in terms of offering services. Um, it's just making myself more available because people we're having to sit in their stuff due to the pandemic, right? So mm-hmm. things start to shut down. I just had to make myself, you know, more available. Um, but when I talk about like the the workshop, it certainly I could it was I was just limited in, in doing it. But it didn't mean that I, I couldn't serve in, you know, other ways, whether that was offering online um you know, just 
opportunities for self-care. I created a self-care circle um, and we met virtually in 2020 and it was, it was really, really great. You know, so it's like anyone else, you talk about these different businesses is, is being able to pivot, you know, mm-hmm. how can you still serve with what you have and with the limitations that may be given. And um, that's the way it impacted me. And, and quite honestly, that's where I saw an increase, not just in business, but, you know, being able to help more people just because people really needed that in that time. That was, you know, that was a global trauma for us. When you talk about that mm-hmm. pandemic and mm-hmm. not just that. And, and then, you know, childhood traumas, as you mentioned, you know, memories start, you're now sitting. There's no distractions. You can't travel. Mm-hmm. You can't meet up with friends. And um, it was it was really a, a, a blessing, but also, you know, a major, I would even say transition for myself. Mm. What okay. inspires you the most about what you do? <laughs> what inspires me the most is really hearing that w- my gift in some way has really helped someone. That is what continues to inspire me when I not just for myself can see the change within session, but when my clients tell me that they've experienced change and that their mm-hmm. life, the way that they view life is completely different and that they have experienced healing, that is truly what inspires me. It gives me fulfillment. It gives me hope. It makes me grateful um, for all the things that I went through to prepare me to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. I love that. So what would you say is your superpower? Hmm. I'll, can I give you two things? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's a combination. My superpower is is making people feel safe. That's one. And two is holding secrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> holding mm-hmm. secrets, you know. Um, somebody posted uh, this meme on Facebook, and it was supposed to be, you know, funny and jovial. What's the one thing you have more than anything? People were posting shoes, you know, shoes, I have clothes, I have handbags, right? Mm -hmm. And I said secrets. You know, I'm able to hold, I can hold water. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what you need to, to be able to have the confidentiality that, you know, what people share doesn't go anywhere, especially in my profession, I should say. So that's why I say secrets. (laughs) I love that. I, I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I don't know yeah. if it's because of our own transparency and owning our stories mm-hmm. where, you know, you spoke earlier about people just opening up to you and, and sharing things. Like I've had people share mm-hmm. things with me, even through social media. I've never met them in my life. They share things that mm-hmm. they haven't shared with their family members. Yeah. I hold so many secrets that I'm just like, why me? God? Why me? <laughs> <laughs> right you're like a well, you're like a bottomless that. jar of secrets like just here i am what you mm-hmm. got <laughs> wow okay That's so funny. before we go to the final segment of the show i want you to tell people where they could stay connected with you online sure absolutely so you can follow me on instagram i'm mostly active there at a new me dr e that's a new me d-r-e it looks like dre if you would like to connect with me, you can visit me online at anumedre.com. Awesome. I will have all of your direct links in the detailed section of the episode so they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. 
Oh, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. So the final segment of the show, it's almost like a rapid fire. I call it a walk in her wisdom and I ask a couple of reflection questions. You share the first thing that comes to mind. That could be one word, one sentence. Let me know when you're ready. Okay. I am um, <laughs> gathering myself. <laughs> okay. I, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Myself. Mm. Myself. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you to unpack. I'm breaking my own rules. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I thought you just want more words. Well, myself, because I, I'm an overachiever and I can really push myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have to set boundaries with myself and say, that's enough. You've mm. done enough. So I have yeah. learned to tell myself, no. Yeah. That it's okay. me. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Besides the Bible, um, I would mm-hmm. say the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. It, it really helped, helped me to understand boundaries. And when you talk about experiencing trauma, um, it, that was one that helped me to reshape what boundaries should look like. Mm. Okay. What do you wish women would do more of? I would. I wish that they would self care more. I wish mm-hmm. that they would put themselves on the for- forefront because we we naturally nurture and give. Mm-hmm. And you know what I define self care is more preventative maintenance versus crisis management. Mm-hmm. So the self care is being able to prevent yourself from getting into such a crisis mode, which means that you have to pay attention more. You have to pay attention to your emotions and just really know your capacity. So I really wish women would understand how much self-care is important to them because they really do. It matters. They matter. Their needs matter. Okay. So I want you to say that first part over again, because I want those who are listening to go get a pen and write this down. What you said, self-care is more? Self-care is more preventative maintenance versus crisis management. Mm. It meaning what can you do to prevent yourself from getting into crisis mode Mm -hmm. and crisis mode can mean many things, um, especially when we're talking about trauma is like survivor mode. You just, you kind of stay there. You don't even know how can you prevent some ways to getting into crisis mode. That's the way you've always operated, but there are different ways of self-caring. It's not just nails, hair, but going to see a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Taking a breather and just stopping when you start to feel yourself getting anxious. You don't have to keep pushing your body and yourself to do because it's what you've always done. But if you're in a safe space and environment, you know, we call it grounding yourself. If you're able mm-hmm. to just ground yourself and just look around and say, you know what? I've worked hard. I can celebrate. I don't have to operate in that space anymore. Now you can be more preventative. Uh, let me stop before I just push myself too much. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you stop and rest. Guess what? You're preventing yourself from getting into crisis. You're not operating from anxiety and, you know, depletion. So that's yep. what I meant by that. I love it. I'm totally team self-care. So I wanted you to repeat that because I want those totally. that are listening to make sure that they write it down, <laughs> stick it on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror, whatever you yes. need to do. <laughs> I'm trying to tell okay. you. 
What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? I would say that I am unconditionally loved. Mm. That's a major one. Um, I love it. The belief, yeah, that God truly loves me unconditionally. It doesn't mean that I go out and just do whatever I want to do because Nancy Lee DeMoss says that freedom is not found in doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is found in obedience, right? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, you talk about unconditional love. I just want to give it just a little bit of context here, too. I did not find out how much God loved me. It was through my perfection. It was actually through my mess ups and hang ups. Mm -hmm. I talked about that divorce where I was really mad and upset. I was like, God, you still love me the way that you do? Because there's a scripture that says that the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. So it was mm-hmm. his goodness that drew mm-hmm. me back to him and helped me to see his unconditional love. And so when I started to embrace this, this truth, this belief system, I knew that if I were to make a mistake, it didn't mean that my life was over. It didn't mm-hmm. mean that I couldn't start over. It didn't mean that, you know, life was hopeless. So that really changed the trajectory of how I did life. It meant that I could be both human and both purposeful. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last but yeah. not least, describe yourself in one word. You know, I'm going to give this to myself. I'm going to say wise. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Wow. Thank yes, you, thank Dr. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh my thank gosh. You. Thank you, McKinney. This has just been so awesome. So rich. Oh gosh. This has been so awesome. Thank you. <sighs> Thank you. I like goosebumps right now. Thank you for your mm. wisdom and your transparency. Just thank you for, for being who you are. And this is why mm. I love doing this show because of conversations like this, these real deep conversations that I know are fruitful and that help because I get the messages, I get the DMS, you know, I get to hear how certain episodes impacted people. So just thank you so much i truly appreciate you oh my gosh thank you and if you do i'd love to read them because yes uh, you know you know from this episode because um it it does when i say that in, it inspires me uh, it really is the fuel to keep to keep me going so I, i'm so grateful that you're doing this thank you so much um i, I didn't know exactly what to expect but <laughs> I, I could just say that god really moved like just through you um just keep doing what you're doing stay encouraged and oh my gosh just i appreciate you i'm i'm the one that's honored so thank you <laughs> thank you so much and to all of you legacy yeah. leavers out there until next time subscribe on all platforms don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review with what resonated with you with today's episode on apple podcast we would love to hear your feedback and i just want to thank every single one of you who continue to listen And we're just hitting the three-year mark. So I want to thank you guys for helping us rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular shows in the world. And if you can think of one person that needs to hear Dr. E's story, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Dr. E at a new me Dre, and you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. 